Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Well, welcome to the show. It's been some time since I've had uh, the pleasure of giving a podcast. I enjoy giving these podcasts because it usually is something that helps myself. And I hope that I'm helping someone and whoever's listening out there. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about solving problems, okay? Now, there's a lot of complex problems out there in the world. There's a lot of people who think they're professional fighters, and they love to fight. They love getting in the ring because they've never been in a fight before. And let me tell you, it's a lot different if you are a professional fighter because you leave with some benefits. And that's one of the wonderful things about mediating and negotiating. So if you're willing to solve some problems, you got to mediate, you got to negotiate. And if you wonder if you are a mediator or negotiator, let me tell you, anyone can be a mediator or negotiator, okay? It just means you know the process on how to do it. Now, let's talk about if you are a mediator or a negotiator. Let's talk about how you measure up. How do you measure up? Keep in mind, anyone can learn to exaggerate their successes. It's equally part of being an entrepreneur, especially if you closely follow their narratives of how they really got started. However, you know, there's a no-fluff way to do it. Using a standard three-call system for mediation, a successful practice will have a rate of about 30%. That's right. 30% and you thought your practice should have about 60 or 70%. Don't believe it. I'll say it again. Using a standard three-call system for mediation, a successful practice will have a rate of about 30%. And let me tell you, here's why. Because there's an awful lot of competition in the mediation practicum. Just do a Google search and you'll see how many mediators out there. There's more mediators out there than attorneys because most of the lawyers now are becoming mediators. So you can multiply that number of attorneys times three. Okay, so how we come up with this 30%? Well... By successfully settling three out of every 10 cases that come to your office, that will give you the 30%. Now, to close these cases adequately, you must be influencing enough to get three out of the 10 prospects on the telephone with you a second and then a third time. In a nutshell, on the third and final time, you get both or all parties per se to the agreement on the telephone and conversations while you then effectively scribe 
their agreement. This is still no easy task because don't forget the stages of mediation. And for you uh, unprofessional or people out there or professionals who have forgotten it, let's go over the stages of mediation. The stages of mediation. S1. Mediators opening statement. S2. Disputants opening statement. S3. Joint discussion. S4, private caucuses. S5, joint negotiation. S6, closure. It is better defined as where the parties actually reach an agreement. Okay? So a lot of times when we have people call our office and we get into this consultation with them and coaching and conflict coaching, We'll put down on our list that we actually closed a case. You did not close a case because I'm going to go back to S6. Closure is closure is closure is closure. It's the same in a relationship. It's like you you said, hey, I don't want to see a person anymore or goodbye or break up. I mean, it's not a closure because these people are going to come back into your life because you didn't close anything. What was the agreement? You had no agreement. And so it's the same thing when you're negotiating, okay? If you're doing it unprofessionally or you're doing it professionally or you're mediating, it's the same thing. You have to get closure. And and closure, my definition of it is, it's better defined as where the parties actually reach an agreement, okay? And that means you putting something in writing and you got both signatures And you know what you're leaving with. You're leaving with a benefit. Like I said before, most people love to fight. They love to throw punches because they've never gotten a black eye. I mean, who wants to leave with a black eye or a broken nose? Something that they're going to leave with that's not a benefit. Now, if you're a professional fighter, getting a broke eye or a black eye, I mean, getting a black eye or a broke nose or anything broken, hey, you're going to go ahead and measure up the value. You're leaving probably with millions of dollars. Unlike those people that are just ready to get in a fight. They've never been in one, right? Now, running a mediation practice is never an easy task. What it means is that you have to create a formula that works for you and your clients. A measure of success is not always money. Maybe it's the human lives you saved or the money you saved others. I mean, quite frankly, that's good. I look at some of the quotes. That's one of my quotes. And I look at it and I say, hey, most people want to make money. You know, I mean, they can't pay their bills at the end of the day if they're saving other people money. So I think we all want to do the three things. We want to save lives, we want to make money, and we want to save others money. Okay? I also think conflicts are ephemeral. Because nothing lasts longer than our mutual understandings. I mean, if you get a mutual understanding with someone... 
you're going to understand what's going on. Now, most people think they pull from this and go to the internet and Google stuff and go take classes and professionals do the same thing. They think a mutual understanding is an agreement. No, a mutual understanding is not an agreement. A mutual understanding is saying that I understand your point of view and I think I can see where you're standing from or I think I can't be in your shoes, but I'm going to believe you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to passionately and carefully listen to your perspective on this because I'm not in your shoes, right? I could try to put my feet in that size 10 shoe, but if I wear a size 20, like I do, my shoe, my feet is not going to fit in your small shoe. So again, I'm going to try to see where you're coming from. That's the mutual understanding. And then we're going to come to an agreement to say, hey, let's find something we can agree on because now I can see why this is going to be a pain point for you. So if I say, hey, you owe me $1,000 and you haven't paid me in a year, give me my money. I mean, that's not an agreement. It's probably not going to be one. It's going to probably be some kind of fight if you're not willing to look at the overall benefit because if that person doesn't have the $1,000 that, that you gave him a year ago, you don't know the circumstances as to why that person don't have the $1,000 or $20,000 or whatever amount of money. And that person is going to have to be able to get that kind of money to be able to negotiate with you. And possibly you both need to see where each other are coming from. Now, he needs to understand your point of view of why you're so threatening and that you want your thousand or twenty thousand dollars. And you got to have a conversation and you both have to go through the process of carefully listening to each other to see about coming to an agreement. Sometimes people don't get the whole amount of money because some people need just a little money because that's why they're so aggressive. And so they're willing to make a deal with you. They're willing to have a settlement. And that's when I tell people, uh, a lot of people get the wrong definition of settlement too. So I hope I'm not going too far off base, but I feel that I need to cover some of this stuff that people research on the internet and uh, some of the professionals, non-professional negotiators out there, non-professional mediators think settlement is something that's good. And I'm going to tell you settlement 90% of the time is only good because you're walking away with a benefit now. Okay, you're walking away with a benefit, meaning that you're saying, look, I'm a professional fighter here, but I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to see what I can walk away with. And so that's what a settlement is. A settlement is not a win-win. I hate this win-win thing because a settlement, you're both walking away not too happy, right? And so I've had a lot of clients and I'm frank with them. You know, I say, hey, you want to go to another meter, mediator? Go to another mediator. Go to another negotiator. I'm fine with it. You know, one of the reasons is because people have to see your value, right? They have to see the value 
and the fact of negotiating themselves. They're the ones walking away with something. I may walk away with my fee and it may not be a good fee if, you know, my clients are not willing to pay the amount of money that I'm requiring. So my point is what I'm saying is that a settlement is never a win-win. Okay? The win-win part is you saying, hey, I got in a fight and I'm like a professional boxer here. I'm walking away with a paycheck, okay? Both sides are walking away with something. So a settlement is never a good thing for both sides, okay? But it's something that you may want to do, especially if you're getting in a fight and you're walking away with nothing. I think so. Yeah, I pretty much think that is the case. The next time you have a bad disagreement, try to discover what you can agree on. I'll say it again, folks. The next time you have a bad disagreement, try to discover what you can agree on. Most conflicts always suffer from the four C's. And the four C's that I see most conflicts suffer from is number one, cupidity. Number two, Kurt. And number three, cynic. And number four, cynosure. You know... You can't be too cynic about conflict and you can't be too curt. I think you can erase the four and you will get a little peace and a peace of mind, but never be too credulous. Always put what you can agree to do in writing. A lot of people will tell you a lot of things that they can do. That's why we go through the conversation. We go through the process of negotiating, process of mediating to understand what people can do. I mean, you got to do your homework. Mediation isn't, hey, I'm going to write out agreement. I could give you this and I can give you that. No, we're going to figure out why you were not able to keep your agreement. And we're going to go through those things and we're going to talk about that more so in this podcast, okay? That's why we sat down and have four or five sessions because we're going to make this thing work this time. We see the first agreement didn't work, so why are we going to make the same mistakes? You're going to find out what's going on on both sides of the table. A person who has successfully identified their problems will never solve not one of them, especially if they haven't willingly decide to change their own behaviors. That's very much a part of it. This quote is by Andre Veranda Moore, the mediator. In fact, there's only three things you'll ever really need to do to resolve most conflicts. Now, what are those things you need to do to resolve most conflicts? Well, listen up. If you want to resolve some problems in your life, you want to resolve some problems in your relationships, you want to attempt to resolve some problems in your family, you want to attempt to resolve some problems in the world, 
Listen up. The first thing you're going to have to do is write out a full declaration and then a mutually agreed upon factual statement. That's right. A factual statement. Okay. That means you got to figure out what a factual statement is. You got to gather some information from the other side. Most people think they got factual statements and they got all the facts. You ain't got no facts. You got what you've created in your own head. And that's why the conflict is continuing to brew just like a hot cup of coffee. Number two, create the functions to solve for the identified problem. That's the most important part. Create the functions to solve for the identified problem. It may be easy to look at the opposite to see why you want to fight the folks, right? To see why you want to fight the person in in the relationship you're in or why you want to have a fight with this person. So we need to understand what that function is, what what, uh, compelled you, what was the trigger, right? And so once we look at the triggers and the tricks, that's how we get to the function, okay? So we need to create the function to solve the identified problem. Number three, we need to willingly share our complete answers with everyone involved. We can't say we got some answers and we got some solutions. Let me put something over my face. Let me put a hand over my mouth while I talk to the other guy. No, if you're trying to negotiate, you got to talk to the person you're negotiating with. Okay, so they have to understand the solutions. All right. And so what you got to do is willingly share your complete answers with everyone involved and then fully carry out the peaceful resolutions to finally solve for the identified problems. In a nutshell, Number one, write out. Number two, create. And number three, willingly share the information. This works the same for every team, partnership, organization, and personal relationships. The more you think about your problems, doesn't ever resolve them. I'll say that again. The more you think about your problems, doesn't ever resolve them. Another quote by Andre Veranda Moore, the mediator. A peaceful resolution is a function of the heart. I mean, touch your heart right now. I'm serious. I mean, if you're driving out there, I don't want to get in trouble and I don't want you suing me because I told you to touch the heart. Maybe you could touch your heart and drive with one hand. But hey, touch your heart right now. Can you feel your heart? Right? Can you feel your heart beating? Okay. A peaceful resolution is a function of the heart not the ones that require so much thought. A lot of times I tell my clients, your mind has nothing to do with what we're going to be doing today. 
And they look at me with this strange look. And I'll tell them again. I say, your mind has nothing to do with what we're going to be doing today. Can you say it with me? And why don't you say it with me out there? If you're having a problem, tell yourself this. My mind has nothing to do with what I'm going to do today. Again, say it again. My mind has nothing to do with what I'm going to do today. All right. Now, let's say it again. My mind has nothing to do with what I'm going to do today. I mean, your mind has nothing to do with what you're going to do today. If you're going to solve your problems. Because your mind is what's been creating the problem. Now, I don't have enough time to go into the subconscious, unconscious, and go into those type of talks right now, maybe in a later podcast. But the mind is what gets us into trouble. Because that's where the triggers are. And that's how we get tricked. I mean, think about the relationships you've gotten in and you say, wow, I wish they would have told me this a lot sooner. Right? You say, hey, I got tricked. Or think about some of the purchase you made at a department store. These people who put together these uh, fantastic marketing strategies and everything, they're pretty smart. Right? They know that we have triggers. And they have tricks for that. So, again, your mind is not going to solve the problem because that's where all your triggers are. And that's what you've learned as a kid. It's like the other thing I like to talk about, and and not on this podcast, but I'll mention it a little bit. That's why a lot of people have their prejudices. That's why a lot of people have their biases, right? I mean, I never get upset at any prejudiced person. Why am I going to get upset at this person, right? I'm not going to get upset at you because you have a bias, Why am I going to waste my time with that? Because one of the things I do understand is I understand human behavior. I understand where your thoughts originated, okay? I I wasn't there during your childhood, but a good part of it for most of us is our mind and the early stages of our mind had a lot to do with our parenting and who influenced us as kids. And so those things, when we become adults, they go with us and they become the triggers. And the people who have studied psychology and who have studied how to get us to do things that sometimes we don't want to do, they figure out the tricks to get those triggers going. So again, Your mind is never going to solve any of your problems. It's your heart that's going to solve the problem. Now, all these quotes of mine sound pretty damn fantastic to me. (laughs) But after a time, even the people you think you got figured out, they too become extremely puzzled and the puzzles themselves. In fact, we got to figure out on a continuum, how to keep healthy relationships. Like I said, everything is a pattern, has a pattern, time to end, 
And so learn to watch for it. A lot of times I tell people, just listen, if you're in a negotiation or if you're a mediator, the best negotiators I've watched coming up through this uh, practice were always listeners. And I was like, man, how did this guy, he said like one sentence and both sides, they were ready to, you know, sign on the dotted line, the agreement. He said one sentence, you know, some of my mentors, they said only one or two sentences to get maybe five people in big cases to settle. And they had maybe five or 10 sessions because he was listening. And that's what you have to do. You have to do a whole lot of listening and solve problems with your heart. Keep your mind out of it because your mind has all these these terrible just triggers up in there and anyone can get those triggers going. But the heart is almost like a special place. I mean, take your hand and just rub your hand around your chest, around your heart, man. The heart is a mm, it's a real special place. This is where we can solve problems. I mean, I don't think prejudice exists in the heart. I mean, how can a prejudice? I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to figure out, can prejudice exist in my heart? Can bias exist in my heart? I don't think bias or prejudice can exist in my heart. I mean, the only biases and prejudices that exist are in my head. And let me tell you, we all have prejudice. I didn't mean, anybody tell me I'm not prejudiced, I'll say you are a liar. If you tell me you're not biased, I'm going to tell you to your face, you are a liar. Because prejudice and bias is in your mind. It's a trigger. Now, if you tell me in your heart, I don't have any prejudices, I don't have any biases, I'm going to believe you because that's where we solve the problem. Again, folks, it's from the heart. Therefore, to put a successful resolution in place, to be shaped on the table or marketed, it has to be perfected and resemble a sparkling diamond with all of the four C's. There's no doubt the resolution itself, the one you or your team is painstakingly creating, has to take a super heroic effect on them sounding uh, pretty good, right? So we know about the four C's of diamonds. Mm, Cut clarity, okay. All right, some people say confidence, all right? And I'm no diamond expert, but I know there's four C's. Now, what am I talking about here? Your peaceful resolution should make sense for every angle under the sun. I mean, your peaceful resolution has to make sense to you and not only sense to you, but sense to them. Number one, it has to be economical. It has to be mathematically thought out. It has to be logistically thought out. And it must touch directly on their value propositions. Now, again, you got to find out what they value, right? Why two professional fighters get in the ring and beat themselves up and look like uh, pieces of pummeled up meat 
We already know why they do it for the money, right? So most people are getting in the ring for the money, all right? If they're doing as a professional fighter and if you're getting in the ring and not getting paid, you better think about it, okay? It must touch directly on their value propositions. And so if you're going to get a good agreement, it has to touch directly on the value propositions on both sides of the table. The more people involved, the more you're going to have to do some listening to find out what those value propositions are. And number five, it has to hit the pain points equally. You know, it must speak to everyone that's a part of the agreement or a part of the disagreement or a part of the conflict. No, nothing in life thought to be good or desirable or spotless is ever that simple. Negotiating and mediating is not a simple task. So if you call yourself a negotiator or a mediator and you think it's a simple task, then you have a lot of homework to do. Mediators and negotiators both can learn a thing or two from a great movie director, right? And so I took some time to figure out what movie directors know that make their movies overall successful. So I'm not going to bore you with all these statistics, but I'm going to give you, I think, about seven things that I think great movie directors have in common and what they look out for. Number one, that's data preparation. You got to gather the information, folks. Number two, descriptive analytics. All right, you got to analyze the situation. And then predictive analytics. You got to do some comparatives to what you've been predicting. Maybe you're wrong, right? And so these predictive analytics, you can go against them with your descriptive analytics to figure out, hey, man, I, I need to analyze this overall picture. I need to go back to the descriptive, to the predictive. All right. And then for these great movie directors always seem to have a compelling storyline. I mean, they have a real compelling storyline. I mean, the most least cost movie there was was Paranormal Activities. And everybody went to see this movie. I mean, they only had like, I think they only paid nine or ten million to get that movie made. Okay, you can do a result check yourself or Google check yourself and you'll see. You know, these movies that were made, they measure up with these seven things I'm talking about. All right. So from a compelling storyline, number four to five, a well-written script. Right. You got to write out. Like I said, the factual, a factual statement before you even attempt to negotiate or mediate. Write that out for yourself and then correct it as when you're meeting with folks, put the right answers in. So that's probably what you're predicting, right? So write out, write out this stuff. What do you think's going on? You know, show up to the meeting with some declarative stuff, some declaration, some factual statement that you think may be the facts, but you're probably going to have to continue to edit it. Okay, you got to have a well-written script that goes for the agreement after you've both decided to leave with something. 
and a benefit. Both people leave with something of benefit. And you got to have the most important thing, number six, contributions from passionate people. Number seven, and you yourself must be extremely passionate and a visionary for all sides. If people aren't willing to negotiate or mediate, never feel that you have to force them because it's them that must see their overall benefits of negotiating. That's why it's never about you taking sides, okay? And that's why you have to be neutral. So it's more so about you quietly sitting there and getting all of the information and carefully doing more listening. That's why we'll have not only one session, not only two sessions, not only three sessions, not only five, we may even have six to seven sessions. Why? Because we have to gather the information, right? We have to be like a good uh, movie director. We have to get all these seven things in order. We got to get them right. Like I said, I'm going to give you a quote. People who haven't been in a fight are always willing to do so. And they may get knocked. I'm not going to say that word, but you can say it yourself. So thank you for joining the show. And please do not get knocked the blank out. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. This is Andre Veranda Moore, The Mediator.